Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. But I want to talk this morning really about ultimate victory, but really it's the ultimate. And nothing gets better than when Jesus Christ changes your life. And there's nothing greater, nothing greater than being ready for the coming of the Lord. I looked at my notes when I was here uh, about a year ago and spoke about uh, being dressed for the wedding and, um, and all about that. But this morning, I want to kind of broaden that. And I want to share in a few moments, uh, for a few moments, on what to expect, what is actually going to happen when Jesus Christ returns. And I want to say this. I want to say this very gently. You may be a visitor, and this church loves visitors. And, and um, I, we got welcomed by, man, I was in like two feet in the door. The greeters were out there, just friendly people. So we want you to be blessed if you're a visitor on the, by your uh, coming. But I want you to hear this. Whether you're a believer or not this morning, what do I mean by a believer? If you've given your life to Christ, everything I say will directly impact your life. If you're in the room this morning and say, Greg, you know what? I'm here that someone brought me. I don't really believe in Jesus. And I've come. We're honored by your presence. But whether you believe in Jesus or not, everything I say will directly impact your life. And uh, so I want you to open your heart because it's good to know what is actually going to happen when Jesus Christ returns. I, I want to read from 1 Thessalonians. It's in chapter 4. Brother Sound, can you get your sister Sound? Give me a little bit more juice if you will. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, it goes like this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. So you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, uh, that we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. That phrase caught up is when we get the word rapture. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It says, then we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. It's been said over and over and over. The next event on God's schedule is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And you look at the scripture, it's amazing. In the word of God as a whole, some 1,000 references that speak the fact that Jesus is coming back again. In the New Testament, how about this? One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament give reference to the fact that Jesus is going to come back again. Uh, then you've got chunks of scripture and, and First Timothy and, and Thessalonians and, of, of course, the entire book of Revelation. So the Bible does not whisper the fact that Jesus is going to return. The Bible is shouting that Jesus is going to come back again. Matter of fact, Jesus, the Bible talks more about his second coming. The Bible spoke about the first coming. 
And so what I want to do for a few moments is talk about what to expect, what is actually going to happen. You know how the Bible tells us in the last days, traumatic or perilous times will come. I'm going to look at this as a trauma which is about to break loose upon this world. And the first area we'll talk about very briefly is the trauma of translation. What does that mean? That's the rapture. What about that a moment ago where Jesus, or rather Paul, spoke about when the Lord comes back, when that loud shout, that loud trumpet, how those that are dead are going to rise up from their graves, and then those of us that still remain or live will be cut off and will meet them with the Lord in the cloud forever and ever and ever. That is what the Bible talks about as the rapture, that word phrase being caught up. Now, what do what I mean by translation? I mean a moment's coming in Baltimore, Maryland, when Christians are going to disappear off the face of the earth. It's a sudden moment. Uh, no one knows the day of the hour. The angels don't know. The son doesn't know. Only God the Father knows. Now, there's some authors who think they know through the years that write great books. They, they sell books. But no one knows the day or the hour. And that's why Matthew 24, Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins, Jesus goes to great lengths to speak to us that you must be ready for the sudden return, the rapture of the church. That's when he comes to get us. And so imagine, Maryland will never be the same again. That's the moment in Maryland, uh, where, uh, an hour after the rapture, when Christians disappear off the face of the earth. Uh, now, we don't know what day or hour, right? But Luke tells us in 1734, I tell you that night, two people be in one bed, one taken, one left. Uh, two women grinding grain together, uh, one taken and one left. That speaks of the time zones of the world. Uh, we leave for Zimbabwe a week from tomorrow. In Africa, Zimbabwe, they're seven hours ahead, whatever. Uh, India, uh, uh, they're nine and a half. So India, it's, it's evening hour in India right now. Imagine, at the moment Jesus returns, it will intersect the time zones of the world. Some will be working, some sleeping. Now, I love young people. I, we went out and bought some stuff, whatever. I hope every young person, man, that wants to go to camp, then go to camp. And someone shout a big amen. Come on. I hope you clear off the table. Let, that, let there not be a crumb on the table. And uh, just send young people. We love young people. And I say that because I hope the rapture happens on a school day. Somebody shout amen. Come on. I hope the rapture happens during geometry class. I think geometry is nothing but a work of the devil. Somebody shout amen right now. Come on. Now, if you're a math teacher, I'm having fun. Just kidding. Not really. But anyhow, imagine that moment. An hour after the rapture, all over the news, I mean, all over the, the reports of Christians who disappeared all over the world. Uh, if it's a school there, a book bag lies by a locker. Uh, imagine a, a bus suddenly, uh, that one sitting in row 13 aisle, they're gone. Imagine a car idling in a red light. Uh, imagine somebody walking into Starbucks to buy the best cup of coffee you can buy for $49.95 a cup. You can't read it, really. And, um, and uh, you get rapture and stuff. Imagine that moment. So reports are going to come in. It's going to be very sobering. Some are going to be shocked. There'll be grown men here me that pound kitchen tables and say, dear God, what have I done? I've missed the rapture of the church. The trauma of translation. Now, when I say trauma, we think of trauma, bless you. We think of trauma of kind of like bad news, whatever. There's, that can be a good trauma. 
uh, and uh, imagine that, 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 what I mean by that is that, that moment of excitement, one moment you're on earth and, and grinding and living in, the next second you're in heaven with Jesus and with loved ones. Uh, you're up there uh, with Shadrach and Meshach and the way we go. Imagine the joy of being with Christ forever and ever and ever, church. So the Bible talks about this, that one day soon, God's going to give the nod to his son, Jesus. And to his son, and Jesus will give a loud shout. Why will, will it be the voice of Jesus? Why not maybe Elijah or Elisha or Isaiah? Why Jesus? Because he said, my sheep know my voice. And if you know Jesus Christ, fasten your seatbelt because Jesus is going to shout and you'll be gone in the twinkling of an eye. How many cannot wait to go to heaven, somebody shout amen. That, my friends, is the trauma of translation. The rapture. What a day that's going to be for every true child of God. Well, Greg, wait a minute. Greg, come on, man. We're all God's children. No, we're not. I know it makes for cozy, uh, nice funeral preaching. We're, listen, we're, all God. we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. Big difference. All created in the image of God. What that means is you're created in God's image, which means you'll never know peace without Jesus in your life. But this idea, we're all God's children, it simply isn't Bible. Because God doesn't have sons and, uh, rather, God doesn't have grandsons and granddaughters. He doesn't have nieces and nephews. God only has sons and daughters through faith in Jesus Christ. John tells us, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. If you have repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ, I'm a talking Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, Methodist, vegan, gluten-free. I'm not talking about those things. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, a day is coming very, very soon when your feet are going to leave this planet in a shot and you'll be caught up in those clouds to be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. That is the trauma of translation. The other negative side, the negative side of trauma is there'll be multitudes of people in Maryland who stagger the streets of this great city and say, dear God, what has happened to my world? People are missing, and I have been left behind. And friend, we have, it's not, I, I, whenever I, I share on the coming of Jesus, these things can begin to happen today in Baltimore, Maryland. So not only is there the rapture, but now let's go, go further. The trauma of testing. Now hear me carefully on this. If, I'm going to say this very gently. It is necessary. Everyone in this room can receive Jesus and be sure that you're ready to go home to heaven. Amen. But listen careful. If you miss the rapture and masses will be left behind. There'll be teenagers, there'll be adults, there'll be masses of people who missed the rapture because they simply were not ready. Read Matthew 24, it's all about being ready. Read Matthew 24, the parable of the ten virgins is a parable that's all about the spirit of readiness. Those five foolish virgins simply were not ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. So those that missed the rapture are not people God didn't love. The people that resisted or rejected, and they simply were not ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. 
Now, I know for many people, and I, I get this because I'm not a church kid. Robin, uh, my, my wonderful wife, is a, is a church girl. She got saved. And by the way, are you live streaming, Pastor? Are you live streaming? Where's the camera? Is it up there? Straight ahead. My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. But my wife grew up in the church. Got saved at nine as a little girl and uh, living for Christ. Uh, and so, but well, as a church kid, whatever, you know, she's heard this. I, I'm not a church kid. And, and so uh, you look at this and uh, you go, my gosh, and the, the sobering. It, it, we think it's like it's got to be Star Wars. And, and it's, well, listen, this could all happen today, church. But if you miss the rapture, if you are left behind, I'm going to come back to you in a second. But the second thing is the trauma of testing. And that's for every believer that goes up at the rapture. It's known as the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Now, most folks, listen, the one you'll stand before is the one that hung on the cross for you. The one that, the one, you say, Greg, I, I think of the judgments of Christ. And I, I, I just feel, listen, you'll stand before the one that loves you like nobody else. We're not talking about angry Savior. Uh, we're talking about the one who could have called 10,000 angels, uh, but he stayed on that cross. It wasn't the nails that kept Christ on that cross. It was his love for you that kept Jesus Christ on that cross. You look at your Bible. He could have called thousands. Angels were there at his birth. Angels were there at his resurrection. But there were no angels at the cross. Why? Because there was no intervention. Jesus knew, I have to die for the sins of Baltimore. I must let Maryland know that there's power in the blood I shed for them. And so, imagine. But for the, so, for many people, it's jumping to the cross. No, you'll stand before the one who loves you, church. Because John 5.22 tells us, the Father judges no man, but the Father's committed all judgment to the Son. Remember as a kid in school, remember this? Young people, second, remember this? You ever go to school and the teacher walks out and they, they say, put, put away your books. They say, get a pen or a pencil and a half sheet of paper. How, how many know what that means? That means pop quiz. That's what that means. I've always been of the theological persuasion that pop quizzes are nothing but a work of the devil. Somebody shout amen right now. I, I never once in school had a teacher walk out or in college and, and said, we have a pop quiz. I, I never once responded by saying, yes. I, yes. I, was, I woke up hoping, Lord, today be a pop. Listen, I, I never liked pop quizzes. But the judgment seat will not be a pop quiz. He tells us in advance everything that will be covered during that, your appointment to stand before Jesus. And I want to encourage you with this. I'm going to run through things that will be covered. But know this. The judgment seat of Jesus is not a determining factor whether or not you get to stay in heaven. If you go up at the rapture, I got good news. You've arrived at your home forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It isn't like you go up at the rapture, shower, whatever, judgment seat, things don't work out, and got kicked out. It's simply not going to happen. It's going to be your eternal address uh, you'll, uh, forever and ever and ever, church. But when you stand before Jesus Christ, when you stand, be, because First, Second Corinthians 5.10 says this. And by the way, if you're a note taker, give me your email address. I'll email you my notes for a small fee, of course. But I'll e I'm, I'm only kidding. I'll email you my notes. I did that for some people this morning. But Second Corinthians 5.10 reads like this. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
that each one may receive what's due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Romans 14, 12. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. That's to every believer. And Paul elaborates on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, air, straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will reveal with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through flames. The Ecclesiastes 4.12 tells us, For God will bring every deed into judgment, whether it is good or whether it's evil. So this isn't a judgment about salvation, but about our motives and our service, and everything will be manifest. Here's what will be covered at that day. Now, if you're a believer, you want to tune in right now. Because here's some things that God's going to cover that moment our name is called, and we go stand before Christ. So I'm going to run through these quickly. On Mark chapter 4, our secret acts are going to be revealed. Romans 2, our character is going to not, our, our, our reputation is what people know about us. Our character is who we really are, and God knows who we are, amen? Our character will be revealed. In Matthew chapter 12, our, everywhere we spoke, our words are going to be revealed. In Ephesians 6, our good deeds. Matthew 5, our attitude. First Corinthians 4, our motives. Colossians 3, our lack of love. First Corinthians 3 again, our work in a ministry. And when it comes to our bad deeds, that's Colossians 3.25. And when it does wrong, we'll be repaid for it's wrong, and there is no favoritism. And when it comes to our good deeds, it's Hebrews 6, chapter 10. Uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He'll not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And so the results either be, either be loss or joy, position, divine, divine approval and, and honor. And so with this in mind, the fact that every believer will stand before Jesus at the judgment seat, or it's known as the Bema seat, how, what should our response be? Our response should be, God, I want to live for you now. Our response should be, Lord, I want to live with a sense you could go back to any single moment. I don't want to get lazy. I don't want to, I don't want to be a drifter. I don't want to be a wanderer. I don't want to be lazy. I want to give you my best in these last days. Because when you and I stand before the Lord, church, it says in 1 John 3.21, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If you and I live faithfully for God, we can have confidence before God. And so if you want to stand before the Lord that day and hear those words, well done. How many want to hear well done? Come on. You want to hear, I want to hear something different. I want to hear well done, my good and faithful, comma, and sweaty servant. That's what I want to hear. If you're in this room this morning and say, Greg, you can preach sweat, spit. Listen, this is going to happen. This could happen this afternoon. For our name is called, we stand before the one that hung upon Calvary's cross. The risen, the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. And we will give an account to every aspect of our lives and things that simply were wrong, that we burned up, that we burned up the wood, hay, and straw. Other things, the good, the honored God, the, the, the silver, the gold, and that will shine brilliant. My friend, we must live with a sense that Jesus Christ is returning at any moment. That doesn't mean that we walk on eggshells and uh, we don't work hard and go, but, no, what it means is uh, we live and plan and, and, and be faithful and we 
serve God, we give God our best, and we live holy, live pure, be on fire for Jesus, love your Bible, love the church, love prayer, and you'll be ready for any moment that Jesus Christ comes back. How many cannot wait again for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? He's, John said in Revelation, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. So the trauma of translation, the rapture, one day you're walking into the grocery store, you're walking to, uh, you're going to watch the Orioles, or the, you're just, you're, you're, in one second, all of a sudden you are in. We're not going up slow motion, church. One second, you're mowing your lawn, the next second you're there with Abraham, Isaac. One second, you're there, and you're with loved ones. One second, you're in life, you're doing dishes, you're, uh, you're doing whatever, and the next, you're in geometry class, and the next second, you are in the presence of Christ forever and ever and ever. What a day that's going to be. Third area of trauma, almost done, is the trauma of tribulation. And this is why I would ask for every and any person breathing in the room that says, Greg, preach, sweat, spit, do your deal. I'm not sure I believe in your God. I'm not sure about Jesus. And Greg, we are honored by your presence. We are honored. I mean that sincerely. This isn't where we like beat up people, whatever. No, no, no. The Bible tells us that it is the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. God is a good, good father. You know, I, I mean, Chris Tomlin wrote a song, Good, Good Father. I'm writing a new song called Good, 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 Good Father. It's a new one coming out very, very soon, I'm sure. God is a good father. Can I get a big amen? Come on. Yeah. So I say it gently, but I say it as clearly as I know how to do this. Masses are going to be left behind. And some people say, you know what, Greg? I've heard people say, no big deal. If I, if I miss the rapture, no big deal. I want to say it as clear as I know how. Missing the rapture is a big deal. Because life in Maryland will never, ever, ever be the same again. The rapture that ushers in was known as the seven-year tribulation we're talking seven years. It'll be the worst time of religious persecution and distress in the history of the entire world. Daniel 9.27 talks about it like this. He, speaking of the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he'll put an end to sacrifice and offering. Now the wing of the temple is set up an abomination, the cause of desolation, until the end is the creed is poured out on him. Listen, after the rapture, Christians are now gone. They're with the Lord, right? On this earth, seven years of tribulation. First three and a half years, there's going to be so much deception. Uh, there'll be false this and false that, whatever. Deception like there is right now. The devil is still a liar, church. The devil is still the master of disaster. He's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there'll be all kinds of deception. But halfway through the tribulation, my friend, the Antichrist breaks a covenant and worship of God is forbidden. The temples are strong. Every bit of worship, for, there'll be some people uh, during the tribulation that will come to know Christ. It'll cost them their lives, and I'm grateful. Uh, but, but again, some say, well, if I miss the rapture, no biggie. Uh, I'll get saved during the tribulation. Listen, if you can't get saved right now, what makes you think you'll get saved during the tribulation? Because imagine this. You say, Greg, well, how different can life actually be? I'm glad you asked. Revelation 13, 16 says this. He also, again, the Antichrist, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. 
Let's call it your wisdom. If anyone has insight, let them calculate the number of the beast. If it's a man's number, his number is 666. There'll be a moment halfway through the tribulation. Everything changes. You're not going to shop at Walmart or Target like you used to. Wawa, sheets, whatever, everything's different. You're not going to buy a box of Kleenex. No one will buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast on their right hand or on their forehead. So you say, Greg, well, is that a big deal? Yes, it is. Because once a person takes the mark, it's over. Doesn't matter who your mother is, who your father is, your daddy could have been a preacher, your grandmother could have been a great prayer warrior. Doesn't matter whether you rent own, doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a shaker, a mover, Greg, look at I got, I'm, uh, whatever. Listen, the moment somebody receives the mark of the beast, it, it's over. You, you sealed your doom for all eternity. And, and it, it's over. There, there'll be no heaven. There'll be no, uh, well, let me just go somewhere. Can we reverse this, whatever? Uh, once someone takes the mark, the Bible tells us they're going to drink the wine of the fury of Almighty God. That's the part of God we don't often think about. But God's a holy God, God's a merciful, but he's also a just God. And so, but imagine, so some say, well, Greg, if that's the case, if someone takes the mark, it's over, then I, I just won't take the mark. Not that easy. The pressure's going to be immense to take this. The pressure's going to be immense to buy a vegetable, to buy a, a, a gallon of water, uh, to put fuel in your vehicle. So the pressure is going to be you, church. So that's why, listen, I, I'm not, I, people say, you're like, we go to Zimbabwe nation. Are you going to Zimbabwe to ask people to come to Jesus? Are you kidding me? I'm not traveling to Africa to ask people the same way I won't travel to Baltimore to ask people. But I'll beg people, man. And I will plead with people. I don't mean I manipulate, I'm not talking, but I'm talking, I will plead with people. Uh, the days of a casual ask are over. Yes, we have to be gentle and I'll guide you. But as an evangelist, I am pleading with you this morning to make sure it's well with your soul. Uh, yes, have a happier life. I want you to enjoy, but don't leave this world without Jesus Christ. So imagine. No, no food, no water, no, no, no Kleenex, no, 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 no nothing. No nothing. Revelation 14.9 says this. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or in the hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. He'll be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb. I want to say it again. The pressure to take the mark is going to be you, church. That's why Matthew 24, 42 tells us, therefore keep watch, because you don't know on the, what day your Lord is going to come. If you know your Bible, whenever God was about to do something, he always spoke, and he warned Noah of a flood. He warned Abraham before Sodom, warned Israel before a captivity. He warned his own disciples before the cross. And God's warning somebody today. God's warning, so listen, I love to laugh and joke and uh, sometimes to a fault, but I, I don't find a, a place here at the interjected joke, whatever. I, I, how, do you, how do you lighten this? I've come to beg you. I've come to ask you. I've come to warn you. Don't play with your soul because one day the only thing that will matter is what you did with Jesus Christ. So in Matthew, uh, the scriptures teach rather, the trauma of translation, the rapture. One moment we're here, next moment we're gone. 
One moment we're here, the next moment we are in clouds of glory with Jesus forever. Are you kidding me? The reunion, the laughing, the weeping, the before I started reunited with people. We had three babies in heaven. I can't wait to see my three babies in heaven. You say, Greg, that's, I'm sorry, for, but you, you, you're not going to know your children. Oh, yes, I am. I'm looking for three kids, kind of big heads, that talk kind of fast and sweat. They belong to me, church. I cannot wait to see my children. I cannot, I cannot, and I cannot wait to see you there. The trauma of testing, the judgment seat of Christ, which means live each day for the glory of God. Give God your best. The trauma, the trauma, the trauma of tribulation that there'll be masses who are left behind because they took lightly and took for granted the warning from God that Christ is coming again. Repent of your sin. Receive Jesus. If you missed the rapture, you hear me today, if you missed the rapture, do not take the mark of the beast. Better yet, how about just missing the whole deal? How about receiving Christ? Because we're not appointed to wrath. Can someone shout amen? I'm glad that God rescues us. God saves us. I am glad my friend will be seated at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come on, someone shout amen. We can, you can be with the Lord, so accept Christ, live for him. But there'll be masses again who are left behind forever and ever and ever. A fourth thing, almost done. The fourth trauma, the trauma of triumph. Here, uh, this is some good news, kind of heavy. Some of you are thinking, Greg, man, lighten up, please. Greg, just kind of lighten up, please. Greg, haven't had breakfast yet, haven't had a bagel. You're, you're like killing me with all this, whatever. But thank God, the tri trauma of triumph. And that, my friend, speaks of the end of the tribulation that marks of the battle at, at, of Armageddon when Jesus Christ returns as King of kings and Lord of lords. But at that great battle of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo, imagine all the nations of the world will march across. God's going to take a river, Euphrates. He's going to make a river and turn, or rather take a river and turn into a road. And the nations will walk across that road to march against Israel, march against God's people. And that, uh, there's going to come a moment when the tribulation ends that will be the second coming of Jesus Christ. Remember, second coming, two faces. First, the rapture. He comes for us. But here, he doesn't come for us, but we now come with him. We're going to come back riding on a horse. But I love what it says in Revelation 19, 12. It says this. His eyes are like a flaming fire. Out his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Imagine this. Are you with me? Somebody shout yes. You with me? Imagine the tribulation ends with the second coming of Christ. He comes back riding on a white horse. Come on. His name is Jesus. His garments dipped in blood on his thigh. The inscription that reads, he's king of kings and lord of lords. But how about this? He'll be on the front white but we're going to ride with him on that day, church. Every nation. Every tribe, every tongue, we're going, the sky will be filled with the ransomed of God. People from Europe, people from Africa, people from America, people from Asia. We're going to ride with them on that day, church. And you say, Greg, are we going to get any weapons out? We're, we're, going, we're, we're riding into a battle. The battle of Armageddon 
where the blood will be shed to the point the blood will be as high, the word says, as the bridle in the mouth of the horses. The carcasses, my friend, and what I've been in Israel a number of times, you look over in Megiddo and you think one day this valley, its huge area, will be filled with carcasses and, and, and dead people and, and the, the bloodshed. And how about this? For many years now, around the, the valley of Megiddo, those that do the studies and whatever, the vultures around Megiddo have been laying twice as many eggs than they ever have in their history. Why is that? Because for, as a believer, we're looking forward to the marriage supper, but those vultures are looking forward to the great supper. That's when they will swoop down and pick flesh off bone and have a feast of the carcasses. Listen, there are folks in Maryland, America, that, that say, you know what, I could care less about the coming of Jesus. How about this? The birds, the buzzards are preparing for the return of Jesus Christ. If the buzzards are preparing, how much more should we prepare? Greg, am I going to get weapons? You're not going to get a knife, not going to get a gun, not going to get a machete. You're not going to get a machine gun or whatever, a grenade launcher, because our victory will come from the one riding on the lead horse. Out of his mouth shall be a sword. The word of God shoots out of his mouth. And the sword out of the mouth of God's son, Jesus Christ, he will bring victory once and for all. Usher us into the 1,000 millennial year reign of Christ, at the end of which Satan again then is finally defeated forever and ever and ever. The one that attacks you, the one that assaults you, the one that vexes you, he is gone forever. Somebody say thank God. We've got victory this morning, church. The trauma of triumph. Jesus Christ is coming again. Not as that weak, suffering, bleeding man on the middle cross, but as the power of the resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. The one the Bible says nobody, no dominion, no power is above Jesus Christ. He will return to the valley of Megiddo and bring victory in peace once and for all. Last thing is this, is, is, uh, is brother keyboard, I called for sister keyboard this morning, and this guy walked up. Look at, I called this morning for sister keyboard, and this guy walked up. Come on, I, I love this guy. A great friend, great friend. Play something that I wrote. Thank you so much. Listen, careful. Just, just like a pad, if you could, like a pad. Listen, are you still with me? Are you still with me? Now listen, don't, you hear the music, you're thinking, he's wrapping up now. I am, but when you hear the music, don't go near your car keys. You touch your car keys, lightning shoots out of heaven over your chair. We drag you out, bury you, come back in, finish the meeting. No, just kidding. But don't touch your car keys. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. The birth of Jesus is a baby in a manger. There was some, what, 365, I mean, it's something, three, around 360, whatever, um, prophecies that spoke about the coming of Christ as a baby in a manger. Every single one was fulfilled. God has an impeccable track record keeping his word. Jesus in John 14 said, not, you know, I'm thinking about this, maybe be nice or, or, or maybe, he said, surely I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you are also. I like the word surely. 
this world, all the craziness, all the, the upheaval, all the, the wickedness and the violence and the bloodshed and the wicked, evil agenda, what's happening in our own nation. In the midst of all the chaos, may you and I never forget the simple truth. Jesus Christ is coming back. And the last thing I'm going to end, Pastor said that the second service ends at around 4 o'clock, but I cannot go that long. I just can't do it to you. I just feel awkward. I feel, I'm, he didn't say that. I'm only kidding you. He didn't say that. But I want to end with this. If you've listened to anything yet, I'm begging you to listen close to this. What happens when Jesus comes? Lastly, there'll be the trauma of trial. In Bible terms, it's known as the great white throne judgment. Not just some little name, some little like thing. No, it's an event that's actually going to happen. Let me read about it to you in Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, him who was seated on it. Earth and sky left from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne. The books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done and recorded the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And here it is. If anyone's name If anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's Bible. Now listen, I think you can still see me down here. I'll stay right here because the live stream. I think I'm going to stay in the light, but I want you to hear this. Are you with me? Someone say yes. You're still with me? Everyone present at this trial is going to hell. I hate even saying that. It's, it's, I, I read the church growth books. I get it. Keep it short. Keep it snappy. Keep it light. For Pete's sakes, don't mention hell. Problem, hell is real. But the fact also that's real, the fact that God doesn't want anyone to go there. Hell wasn't prepared for you, but for the devil and all of his, his followers. But those who reject the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, heaven will never be your home. Don't be offended by this. I'm not looking upset. I mean this sincerely. But there's no place, such place, real place called purgatory. It's just not real. It's nowhere found anywhere in the Bible. The moment you leave this world, it's either heaven or hell. And the Bible's clear that God wants none to perish. The, for, the forgotten word in John 3.16 is the word perish. People without Jesus perish for all eternity. But God wants none to perish, but all to be saved. He wants all to come to the knowledge of the truth. Same Bible tells us that God never delights in the death of the wicked. If there's some famous person that it's like it's known that they've lived wicked lives and did evil things, and sometimes you know when they die, there's like jokes or people, whatever, they're gonna get in there now, whatever. God never jokes about a person dying in their sin it breaks his heart it breaks his heart he doesn't rejoice when anybody perishes but at the great white throne it's an unusual trial because it, it, even 
as it begins, the verdict for each person present is already in. And the, and the verdict is guilty. Robin grew up in the church. I told you I didn't. When I first read about this, studied it, my first response was, why? Why would God do this? God, if you're a loving God and you are, why would you have this? If they're, all, if they're all dying and going to hell, I mean, because they're rejected, so why would you even, and, and God just whispered, the reason that there's even, there is even a great white throne is because he is a God of love. He wants none to perish. The books are open. Nothing is done like under the table. Nothing's done. The books are open. And when the throne, each person stands before the Lord, my friend, they will testify against themselves. The books are open. Do you know how many people at the great white throne are, are going to look for the, the, the name, Book of Life? And you see, when someone accepts Jesus, the Bible speaks about the, the Book of Life. I believe that when someone, last week we saw an unusual number of people accept Jesus over a period of several days. It was just unusual. Every night, salvations, salvations. And I believe that every time someone gets saved, I, that maybe God... Jesus takes a nail for a pen and uses blood for ink and writes that name in the book of life. Anyone whose name was not found in the book, you want to be sure your name is in the book. Get your name. You can't do it by good works. You can't do it by going to church. You get your name in the book by receiving Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin and receiving Jesus, the Son of God. You know how many people are going to look in that book and books and go, Jesus, this isn't right. This is wrong. I, I never knew. I never knew. I just, I can't even imagine the emotion and the trauma. And I believe over and over he'll say, no, look, the books are open. Look here. Look at that, that day. There. That, look at that day. I come after you. Look, what about here? A year, four years ago, I pursued you. For some of my people, don't you remember? It was a Friday night in the church, and you know, not normally in church, and they showed some movie about some Jesus revolution. I, I come after you. Don't, don't you remember that church had some out in their parking lot and like whatever for whatever? So one by one, they'll be and Jesus will say, I come after you. Uh, you. You heard that 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 radio, someone gave you a Bible try, you heard a message over and over. He's gonna put the books are going to be open, and it'll show us that over and over again he came after us, church. anyone's name not found in the book you see the purpose of the white throne again is because of the love of God it isn't like people show up and he smiles and snickers and kicks people in the hell he lets them see I came after you but you rejected me I pursued you you know, we go to Zimbabwe. Someone asked me a, a while ago, we bring teams, whatever. We love bringing teams. But one person comes and says, man, I love to go. want to see the animals. I want to go and see the animals, whatever. And, and I get that, whatever. But, you know, if you want to see the animals, go to the zoo. We're going fishing for souls. Yeah, the animals are fun to see. I get all that. But souls, souls, give us souls. Give us souls. Brother, I'm coming out of the light. I got to high five you. God came to get you, didn't he? He came, you told me, he came to get you. 
He came in that jail to get you. Now you're going into jail to get them. Somebody shout hallelujah right now. Come on. I got to end. It's almost time for breakfast tomorrow morning. Listen, people come up with sometimes because the nature of our travel. We've been traveling full time now for 43 years. I can't believe that. People come up to us sometimes and say, hey, Greg, what is, we're, we're experts on nothing, by the way. But they'll come up and they'll say, like, what's God doing in the world? I get the, I get the question, but come on. What's he doing? He's seeking and saving the lost. He's going after people. When you sent your pastor and Rachel to Romania to help train and minister to people in Romania, heard about what a huge blessing they were in Romania. Why did they go to Romania that all of Romania might be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? That's why they went. The trauma trial. Who will be there? Every single person who protected Jesus will be there. No, 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 Greg. Preach sweat spit. Greg, I'm not going. You reject Jesus. I don't want to say it like in your face, being abrasive. I'm not that guy. I don't want to be. I'm just telling you. You reject Jesus. You're going to be there. Whether you want to be there or not. I've got two questions I want to ask, and I'm done today, talking about what happens when Jesus comes. In a moment, I'm going to call people to this altar that say, I don't believe God's done saving my family.